So in the face of evil, we want to be the solution. That's what we want to do. We want to be the person that's like, hey, I am involved in, in moving us in the right direction, and we want to do this, but, but man, anybody who's participated in a promise grant knows that it is hard to do good things. There are roadblocks. You're like, this is a really wonderful idea. Stonewall. Oh, I want to go do this. Oh, oh, that was harder than I thought it was going to be. Oh, I want to make sure that we get a place to do, to do something that's going to really bless the community. Oh, man, finding a location is really hard. We find that we can't be the solution. We find that we can only be a part of it. We find that we can only be involved in it. And that's because God is the solution in the person of Jesus. So this message is going to be the third step. It's about how we experience. We're an experiential church. We're not a passive church. We're not a come sit in the pew church. We're a let's get involved together church. Let's, let's encourage each other in the Lord church. So to do this, we have to experience God's love. We have to experience God's love. Otherwise, we burn out. Everything we do comes out of our own strength and we go like, oh, why do I have to do that again? Why do I have to always be the person who is giving and giving and giving and I never get anything back in return and we just get bitter and frustrated and yes, I've seen it time and time again where we're just like, I can't give anymore. It's because we try to put it all on us and God's called us to experience Him first. We're God-focused church experiencing God's love and that fuels our love for others who we would otherwise suggest don't deserve God's love. I mean, you know that there are people like that, right? There are people that you know that don't actually deserve God's love, and you know that they don't deserve God's love. You could think of a name right about now, where you're just like, that guy. We're not talking about that guy. I remember a few years ago um, having a conversation with someone, and they said, they said, I will be very angry at God if that guy's mansion is next to mine in heaven. <laughs> Anybody ever felt that? Maybe that's an alone thing. Maybe that's, maybe that's, whatever. But it's so true. We know that there are people that we're like, okay, maybe you don't deserve God's love. But if we experience God's love in ourselves, it gives us strength to love those that we struggle to love. God, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We find ourselves in this place where we have to humble ourselves. And yeah, okay. So I've been in ministry for a long time. Um, and I love it. And I've also almost experienced complete burnout where I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm not, going, I'm not going into it. I know the difference now. The difference is whether I'm pushing or whether I'm actually... Wow, that sounded really cliche, whether I'm actually praying. So it's whether I'm pushing, whether I'm pushing forward and saying like, okay, well, I'm going to get this done, and that is exhausting, or whether I'm just resting and praying in God's presence. But it wasn't always like this. So I was in Bible college, and I, was, I wasn't living the life that I should have been to the point that if the academic dean found out what was happening in my life, I would not be in that Bible college. I had, I had a repeating sin. It was just going and going, and nobody knew about it. And so one day, one late night, 
I was sitting on the floor in the dorms, in the, hall, in the hallway. And we, I, 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 was, I was looking and I was saying, hey, I'm feeling like crap. But I was saying it to myself and I was just sitting there and I was feeling like crap. I was feeling so guilty. And in that, in that, I was feeling isolated and alone. I felt like I couldn't go to another church service because my guilt was so significant. I couldn't go to another chapel meeting at my Bible college because my guilt was so significant. I was having to put on a face, a front of spiritual put-togetherness because, you know, I'm going to go into ministry and all, guys. But if you knew, man. Now, you know, what I was doing wasn't illegal. There was no moral whatever. The world would look at it and just be like, whatever. But I knew that God had called me out in the scriptures. So there was a, there was a higher thing going on than anything that was like really super concerning. But I was feeling guilty. I was feeling destroyed. I was feeling alone. A Bible college friend came and sat next to me and he said, Rob, what's going on? So I confessed. I just openly said, this is what, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm not here on campus some nights. What are you doing? Oh, man. This is what I'm doing. And God's not really impressed with me right now. And he said, oh, really? I was like, yeah. God's not super impressed with me at all. He's actually kind of upset at me. He's angry with me. He's sad. He said, Rob, I want you to do something with me right now. We're going we're gonna to do this spiritual experience. And I was like, not in the place, man. Thank you. Not in the place. He was like, no, no, no. He goes, it's easy. Just trust me. Just let's, let's go through this together. He was a spiritual leader to me in this moment. This was brilliant. Fine. Whatever. Let's go through it. And he said to me, he said, Rob, I want you to picture yourself where you were last night, doing what you were doing last night. And I want you to ask this question, where is Jesus in that situation? Like, actually physically ask him, where, where are you? And I was like, oh, man. All right. So God is everywhere, so I knew that he was there, whatever. Where is Jesus in this situation? He asked me to visualize Jesus as a person in that situation. And I'm like, okay, yep, yeah, yeah, got him, Jesus. And he goes, what, what's he doing? Well, Jesus is in the room like this. And he said, interesting. He said, are you sure that's not your projection of yourself and what you're feeling about yourself? And I was like, who? Okay. And he goes, I want you to actually dig in and ask Jesus what he wants to say to you right now. All right. So then I was like, yep. Well, I'm pretty sure that Jesus is pretty upset with me right now because I just keep on doing this and I know that I need to stop, but I just keep on doing it because I like it. And he said again, I think you're projecting. 
He said, let me pray for you. And he prayed a prayer over me that, was, that wasn't really profound. It was just a prayer. God, open his eyes so that he can see you and hear you. Strikingly, I closed my eyes. And, uh, but in that time, God gave me a vision. Just a, a, a dream kind of thing in waking, so we call it a vision. It's not anything super profound. It just happened in my mind's eye. But what happened in it was profound. I was in a hospital bed laying down. Both my feet had been broken. They were elevated. I don't know if they still do that, but in my vision, they were elevated. And I was there in that space, unable to help myself. And Jesus walks in the room and says, are you thirsty? And I was like, sure, I could use a drink. And he goes to a fridge that just happened to pop up, and there was a fridge there, and he opens it up, and there was only a pitcher of fruit juice in it. There wasn't a lot left. And he took out the pitcher, and he poured it in, and he gave me a drink, and I drank it. And then he said, do you want more? But there isn't any more. And he took the pitcher, and he poured more. And I drank it. And then he just took the cup from me and he poured more. And I drank it. And it kept on happening that more and more kept on coming out of this pitcher that there was nothing left in. And it kept on, and he was like, fill up on this until you can't drink anymore and you will be healed. And what I learned in that time is God's love pours out on us when we cannot serve ourselves, when we cannot get to it ourselves, when we cannot impress God enough, when we cannot do anything. God's love pours out on us so much that it heals us and transforms us. And in that time in the hallway, in my own guilt, in my own shame that I was carrying over myself, God released me from it simply because he said, I love you more than you could ever imagine, and there's nothing that you can do, no amount of broken bones, no amount of broken action that you could do that's going to separate me from the love that I have for you, and I'm keeping on pouring it into you. And from there... Now you can heal. Now you can involve yourself with others. Now you can minister. Now you can be transformed. And indeed, I was set free of that habit where I was going out at night and sinning. God's love is transformative. It changes us. Scripture, Luke 6, 32, 35. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those if you, whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. Love your enemies and do good. Lend, without ex- with, lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. (laughs) Okay. 
The challenge is a healing church imitates God's love as it experiences God's love. Some of us as people, we've not allowed ourselves to be filled up with God's love again and again and again. And so we put it on our own shoulders to be God's love in this world, to try harder, to do better, to carry the burden ourselves, and we haven't been filled up with God's love for us and for others. We haven't allowed God to soak in deep, and we are working way too hard. And God says, I love you. Let my love be a healing guide. God loves us when we are incapable of knowing him or loving him in return. He loves us. Romans 5, 8 says, God shows us his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What what does God do? What does God do when we can't perform at the level that we want to perform at? I think of the people, I was thinking about this for my, for my dad's uh, funeral, I think of the people in, in, in Matthew 14 that were sick and they could, they had, just because they were sick, they weren't thoughtless. And so they're thinking about all the things that they want to do in life, but they're not able to fully engage in society because of sickness, because of unhealth, because of brokenness and all this stuff, so they can't actually do anything, they're just there. They're people in society that can't actually achieve their dreams because of the way society is structured. They have leprosy or they have um, demon possession or they have epilepsy or they have all these things that make them that they can't function. What does God do with that? What does God do with that? Romans, uh, Matthew 14, 14 says that Jesus had compassion on them and healed all their sick. God loves you when you are incapable. He loves you. And so God's love is a model for us. We learn to love, we learn God's love for us as we practice loving others who can't benefit us. Who can't benefit us. When we stretch ourselves to love those who aren't like us that we don't know, it's not arbitrary. God's intentionally inviting us to experience God's love in a way that that they can't repay. So when I love somebody that can't repay me, I am now in a position where I can experience what God experiences, where he loves me, where I can't repay him. I could never repay God for the amount of love that he loves me with. See, God is literally inviting us to experience it. Because God loves beyond his circle. We understand God as a triune being. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He loves in here perfectly, but then God chooses to love outside of his circle. Each one of us has a circle that we're comfortable with. Each one of us has a group of people that we're very comfortable with. We have our closed circle. God invites us to imitate him by loving people outside of our circle. When, when they don't feel like they deserve our love, when they don't feel like, what is this? They, they feel like this is arbitrary. What is, what is this? We are called to love beyond our circle. Okay, so it's not an arbitrary standard of spirituality. It's a participation and a discovery of God. The goal is not to just love every random suburban person that you see. You can't do that. 
The goal is to choose to love somebody outside of what your natural circle is. Love. Love somebody. Our text today says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is to you? What, what, there's no benefit to that. That's just your circle. Even sinners do that. Everyone does that. There's nothing countercultural about that, people. Just because you've got a community that carries you through, yeah, great. Love others. So this is, where, this is where we go. Last week, I challenged us to invite somebody else, else to our house for a simple meal. That's the first step. We love others. We, we step outside of our circle, and we say, yeah, I'm going to love. We've got to set a culture as a church of loving others to the extreme measures God's leading us into. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. That's from our text. So God doesn't, God doesn't benefit from our commitment to him. Even all of our collective benefit. God doesn't benefit from it. It doesn't make God bigger or stronger or more confident or anything like that. There's nothing we can do that actually benefits God. But he loves us so much so that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us. We don't give him any benefit. When was the last time you loved somebody that did not benefit you? That's hard. That's hard. I, I don't know how to answer that question myself, to be completely fair. I am being shaped by this. I am being challenged by this. How do we love people when they don't benefit us? Our culture is full of love that benefits ourselves and great, but God doesn't benefit from it. God didn't do it for his benefit. God's love is for the human benefit first. Therefore, our love shouldn't benefit us, but should genuinely benefit the other person, expecting nothing in return. Okay, thanks, Pastor Rob. That's challenging. But this is the model that God's setting. It's the model that God's setting for his kingdom. Expanding our circle. Expanding our love. It's a model that, God is, that God's setting for us. Yeah, we can't do it all, but we can learn and we can grow into it. So the church can expand whom we love with, and whom we're in proximity with. As a church, we use our resources that we gather together to show love for others. We are time resources. We come together and we do things to show love for others. Even inside of us, there are still like, we have little circles of people that we're more comfortable with and don't really know the other. Sure, show love for others. Cross a pew, cross an aisle. Let's increase in that, but also let's show love outside. We use our financial resources to pool it together to show love. I'm so proud of what our current Promise Group grants are doing. It's amazing. We show unmerited favor to others. <clears throat> Mic drop. Something went bang in here. So we team together to love one another. When one of us is suffering, our church needs and is, thank you, Joel, for reminding us, our church is so responding to that. Joel just had a flood. I didn't even know about it. He had a flood like a week ago. And uh, people in his promise group just gathered around and moved him into his new apartment. Like, 
This is amazing. And, and Joel actually just wrote in, uh, in Slack. So, you know, sorry I, I named you, but whatever. Um, sorry about that. Um, in, in our uh, God Will Provide channel, he just wrote, he just wrote, the church has already stepped forward without, without the lead pastor. Like, this is something that we do. We need to continue to do it. It is awesome. Selfish acts under the guise, oh, sorry, the world, the world's been so blind to what love is. We've been blinded to it. Oh, it's just nice deeds. No, love is way more than just nice deeds. Oh, love is selfish, selfish acts under the guise of capitalistic selfishness. So a company, you know, does a good deed so that they can actually get a better reputation so that they can actually gain more money. Guys, that's not love. That's economy. That's, that's capitalism, but it's not love. Egocentricity, loving only that which I can benefit from. Oh, I love you if you... I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Jesus is like, no, 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 next level, guys. Next level. Therefore, love your enemies. Ooh. I know we hear it all the time. We don't really have a lot of enemies, but we do have people we don't speak to because they don't make us feel comfortable. Christian love embracing God's view of the person before embracing a personal view. There's a definition for you. Christian love is embracing God's view of the person before embracing your view of the person. And I just really wanted to, to remind us of that. Someone said, I think it's more than experiencing nothing in return. It's experiencing challenge and growth for yourself. In some cases, when you have to fight your own defenses to love those who may not love you, the type of relationship that can develop from that is an amazing thing. Absolutely. When we love when there's no return, we imitate the love of God. And again, someone is again asking about, you know, oh, well, just becoming do-gooders that people take advantage of. Well, first, do people just try to take advantage of God? Do people just try to take advantage of God and say, oh, well, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take advantage of, of God and I'm just going to pretend to believe and just do my religious whatever so that I can just get to heaven? Yeah, people do that all the time. Does that deter God? No. No, it doesn't. Because we get filled up, and this is where I want the lesson to land. Whoever loves God has been born of God and knows God. We get filled up when we allow God to fill that pitcher, to fill that, that cup again and again and again. And you know what? When God is my energy source, when God is the one that gives me the love that I give to other people, and I keep on going back to God and saying, God, I need your love so I can give it out to other people. If other people just keep on taking and taking, I have an eternal source, and you have an eternal source. You have an eternal source of love for others, one that is without merit. You have one that is continually filling you up. And so we have a source from which we can love from. 
And the challenge is, for a Christian, is putting yourself in a place to accept God's love in your heart. Consistently, in a disciplined manner, putting yourself in a place where you can hear God's voice, where he can fill you up, where you might have those moments where you're dealing with a sin and you're sitting on the floor in a dormitory and just saying, I'm not worth it, and God's looking at me like this. When we can recognize that even in our darkest time, God's love for us is unwavering. And when we can accept that, then all of a sudden we are empowered, empowered to do something. We are empowered to obey love. We have an eternal source for love. It's hard, guys. Because you know what? I keep on picking up the burden myself, and you do too. We pick up the burden ourselves, and we go, okay, God, I got it. I'm all in energized. I'm going to go do it again. The discipline is to get back into the presence of God, get back into our source, God's love for us, and allow our action, our love for others, to come from the benefit we receive from God not from the benefit we receive from others. Jesus, I thank you that you chose to show up today. That you choose to be involved in our life when we cannot benefit you. Jesus, I thank you that you love us so much that you've given everything to us, including overflowing love undeserved, unmerited. I didn't deserve it. You don't, the, the people around me don't deserve it, but you, God, pour it out. And Jesus, I pray that we would be people who can experience your love. Help us get past our own projections of you that would be so harsh and so judgmental against us. Help us get past our own image of self that says, I'm not good enough to be loved by God like that. Help us know your love and let that fuel us so that we can love those that don't deserve it, that aren't close enough to us, that make us feel uncomfortable. God, that love would overflow from us, not because we mustered it, but because you did it. Jesus, we are reliant on you. We, are, we rely on your passion towards us. We can't do it ourselves. And so Jesus, as a people who are in desperate need of you, I pray that you would break through into our hearts, grow us in our knowledge and our experience of your love so that we can love others without expecting anything in return. Grow us as a people to be the image of Christ here in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for participating in our service today. Thank you for actively engaging, and I pray that you will be blessed. I pray that you will be strengthened. God bless you.